1: Too often, we rely solely or primarily on conventional medicine to treat symptoms and disease, but these can mask the problems, so we never get to the root cause of the disease. There are better choices. Welcome to Generation Regeneration with your host, Sandra Guy Malhotra. Conventional medicine does play an important role in effective treatment, but even more important are the daily lifestyle, food, and spiritual choices we make. Now, here is Sandra Guy Malhotra.
2: Welcome, everyone, to Generation Regeneration Holistic Radio. I'm Sandra Malhotra, your host and publisher of Regenerate Magazine, that you can learn more about at regeneratemagazine.com. Thank you for joining us, whether it's live or on demand. We love you, our listeners, and want to support you and everyone who embrace the notion that although you may be members by birth of the baby boom generation or Gen X or Gen Y that you can choose to be members of Generation Regeneration or Gen R by the daily choices you make to regenerate your body, mind, spirit, lifestyle, and career. And as many of you know, we added a new feature this year, The first show of each month will be dedicated to the Abundance Cubed group coaching program for wellness entrepreneurs. My guest today, Noam Kastuki, is a successful business coach, creator of Masterpieces, and my collaborator for this program. And you can learn more about him at artofamagicallife.com. Welcome back to the show, Noam. It's so great to have you here. Hi, Sandra. Our shows up to this point have covered Defining Your Brand, that one was in January, Optimizing Your Social Media Presence in February, and Rocking Your Website in March. So if you miss these shows, you can catch the podcast on demand right here at gr.voiceamerica.com. And today, we're going to review the group coaching session led by Noam on improving your relationship with money. This is important because we all need to have a healthy viewpoint so that we can firstly create and then feel worthy enough to receive the abundance that we work so hard for. This sounds simple, but it's actually not. And Noam and I did things a bit differently for this program. Instead of playing clips of the coaching session during the show, we placed an extended clip on our Abundance Cube for Wellness Entrepreneurs Facebook page. And you can listen to the conversation between Noam and our entrepreneurs and see if you can relate to what they are saying and feeling. Now, the clip that we added to our Facebook page is from the beginning of the coaching session, in which Noam asks each of our entrepreneurs five questions about money to get them to think about where their hearts and minds are with regards to it. So let's go over these five questions and then discuss why you asked them, Noam how our entrepreneurs answered them, and then how you and I would answer them. That's going to be an interesting discussion. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So listeners, I'd suggest that you write these down so that you too can put some thought into your answers and what you can learn from them. So Noam, let's start by going over the five questions that you asked our entrepreneurs during the group coaching session. So go ahead.
3: Yeah, so the first question is, how was money treated at home when you were a child? The second question is, what do you think about money when you're delivering a service or when you're giving the product to your clients? The third question is, how do you feel asking for money for your services or your products? So at the moment at which you're telling the client how much it costs. The fourth question is, how do you feel about money when you get paid? So when the money is actually exchanged and given to you or when you receive the check or when you see the money on your bank account. And then finally, uh, the last one is gather as much money as you can that you have around you, so physical money, coins or bills. And when you hold that money in your hands and you sit with it, how do you feel? How do you feel with that amount of money in your hands?
2: Yeah, that's a very interesting series of questions. Uh, basically, you start with what the subconscious programming may be, and then you go through the process of a transaction with a client. So very interesting. So let's dive into that first question. How money was treated at home when you were a child? That's that's a great one because to me, this is a critical point. And we've done a couple of shows about the power of subconscious programming here on gen r radio i interviewed psyche practitioner brian radke on march 8th of this year emotional freedom technique or tapping researcher dr dawson church on october 13th of last year and life coach dr joy martina on august 18th of last year and they each said the same thing that prior to the age of eight our brain state is at a relaxed permeable lower frequency, and so everything that's observed goes straight into the subconscious. And after the age of eight, we develop the higher frequency beta brainwave state or conscious awake state, which acts as a filter so that everything we hear does not go straight into into the subconscious. We can choose what goes into the subconscious to a degree. So the role of what you experienced as a child cannot be overstated. So, Noam, is that what you were getting at with this question?
3: Absolutely, absolutely. For me, um, I see money very much like religion. They're both things that happen at a subconscious level because we thought about a way, we of a way of being around money and religion as children, and nowhere in our in our education we're given the space or the tools to question these beliefs. Now, many break free from religion because religion imposes um, silly rules uh, or, or, or rules that people don't want, and so they break free of it, and there's an authority that they can break free from. When it comes to money, it's a lot harder because there isn't a figure of authority to challenge. Um, and so when we, will, when we go back to what we've been taught about money as children, We often realize that we haven't broken free of these patterns. So for me, the becoming aware of the patterns is the first step to having money as a servant and not money as a master.
2: Yeah, yeah. I think it's a certainty that what you experience as a child uh, influences the way you behave as an adult unless you've really gone in and tried to modify that programming. And we'll talk about that a little bit more during the second segment. Mm -hmm. So this is really super important. And so how did you come up with the rest of these questions? What was the basis for those?
3: So the last three questions are related to the pivotal points at which money is either talked about or experienced. So when uh, money is exchanged, when you give the price and when you hold money in your hands. And Warren Buffett said, price is what you pay, value is what you get. So the second question is about the moment at which money is the most meaningful, but, at, but also the moment at which most people don't think about money because they're focused on the value they're creating. And so... The idea of the last three questions is to bring the experience of money from the past to the present and to notice how at different places and in different contexts and with different uh, situations, we can relate to money in a very different way. And by noticing these differences in the way we already behave about money, it becomes much easier to change our way of being all the time.
2: Yeah. Yes. Okay. Really good questions. And the reason we're doing this with our entrepreneurs is because this could be a particularly touchy subject with people who are in wellness or healing or spiritual fields because they feel very drawn to that work to help people and may feel very funky about the money aspect. So, we have just a couple of minutes here left in this segment gnome. So, let's let's talk about this for a little minute uh, for for a little bit because it's it's kind of an important point too. Mm-hmm. Relationship with money is of course important for everybody, but I think in our experience we've noticed that healers it could be a particularly touchy subject with them. So, is that what you have found also?
3: Oh, absolutely. Um I uh, find very often um in the health and wellness field there is this um Mother Teresa syndrome mm. of I do great things and money is dirty, so um I, I can't ask for money, I shouldn't ask for money, and if anything people should just give me money and it should just arrive <laughs> by magic. Yeah. Um and um for me, that's very much sort of looking at money as a taboo, lo- looking at money as something dirty and, and, and making it a master. So that's looking at money from a position of fear and from a position of insecurity. And many people in the health and wellness field know about this idea of looking at things from a position of love, looking at the things uh, not from that place of fear. And when we do look at it from a place of love, money is a great servant, Money is a great help. It's like energy. It's a form of energy. Um, when we try to hoard it, it's it's bad. When we don't have enough of it, it's bad too. So I often think about money for businesses and when we think about entrepreneurs as uh, food for people. When you have too much of it, you end up becoming fat and, and slow and you develop all sorts of diseases um, from having too much resources, um, like bureaucracy and, and all of these sort of things. And when you don't have enough, you've got other problems, uh, which is that you don't have enough energy, you don't have the resources to do what you want to do. Right. So the relation you have with money is very similar to the relation with food, um, I believe.
2: Oh, interesting. That's an interesting point. Okay. And one other thing I'd like to add here is that the book that we asked all of our entrepreneurs in this program to read is Rich Dad, Poor Dad by uh, Robert Kiyosaki. And that uh, I'm reading that book also along with everybody. And he makes really good points in there about money, yes, being a type of energy, but what you want is, like you said, for it to work for you, to be your servant and not your master, and it gives you an amazing sense of freedom when you're in that position because it allows you to do many things, and in particular, it, it allows you to help people even more so if you're financially solid. So there's really nothing wrong with paying attention to your finances as a healer and making sure that your finances are very healthy. So... Do you have anything else to add to that, Noam?
3: Um, well, yeah, that's uh, like you said. It's it's one of the elements to to look to look at, in the same way as if you want your body to be healthy, you're thinking about um, the muscle mass. You're thinking about your flexibility. You're thinking about your stamina. You're thinking about your food intake. You're thinking about how much you sleep. You're thinking about. Um, about the amount of stress you have. You think about meditation. And so there's all these things that we think about. And then you think about the cleaningness also. You think about taking a shower, about uh, uh, the clothes you wear. And so there's a whole range of things to think about. And when it comes to the health of the business, money is one of these. Yeah. Uh, and, and so the, the issue is that Sometimes and too often, money is the only thing that businesses look at. Mm. And so we're kind of in a world of, of opposites and contrasts where it's either um, all about money or nothing about money. And I believe that the, 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 the right answer is the integration, integrating the two.
2: That's right. That's right. A balance. Okay. All right. Well, thank you for this information, Gnome. And on that note, let's get ready for our first break. But before we go, I'd like to give a shout out to our sponsor for today's show, Cultured dairy is an important part of gut healing and immune health. Learn how to make your own yogurt, kefir, and cream fresh at home with Monica Corrado's new ebook on culturing dairy, part two of the series on cooking techniques for the gut and psychology syndrome diet. And you can get it at SeleneRiverpress.com. That's S-E-L-E-N-E, riverpress.com. And let's get ready for that break. Thanks again, everyone, for joining us today. This is your host for Generation Regeneration, Sandra Malhotra. And I'm here with business coach, creator of Masterpieces, and my collaborator, for the Abundance Cubed Adventure and Expansion, Nome Kastuki. And we're reviewing last month's group coaching session on the topic of improving your relationship with money. Stay close and we'll see you in a jiffy with more cool stuff.
1: making it easier to listen to the voice america talk radio network live wherever you go on iphone blackberry or android download it from the apple itunes app store blackberry app world or android market gmos or genetically modified organisms are plants or animals that have been genetically engineered with dna from bacteria viruses or other plants and animals These experimental combinations of genes from different species cannot occur in nature or in traditional crossbreeding. Most developed nations do not consider GMOs to be safe. Right now, over 80% of the corn and soy grown in the U.S. is genetically modified, and we should be able to choose whether we wish to consume these foods or not. Visit non-gmoproject.org forward slash learn dash more.
0: and put you on the best and surest path on your breastfeeding journey. Listen every Monday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific Time, on the Voice America Health & Wellness Channel. Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at VoiceAmericaTRN. TRN.
1: This is Generation Regeneration with Sandra Guy Malhotra. To connect with Sandra, send an email to Sandra Malhotra at wcubedcommunity.com or tweet at Sandra G Malhotra, hashtag WeRGenR. She looks forward to your comments. Now back to Generation Regeneration.
2: Welcome back, everyone. Thanks again for joining us today. I'm your host, Sandra Malhotra, and I'm here with business coach, creator of Masterpieces, and my collaborator for the Abundance Cubed Adventure and Expansion, Noam Kastuki. And in the previous segment, we discussed the importance of subconscious programming, which is why Noam's first question to our coaching group about their relationship with money was, how was money treated at home when you were a child? And I'd like to stick with this for just a few minutes more because of how important this subconscious programming is. I personally learned a lot about this topic from a book called The Biology of Belief by cell biologist Dr. Bruce Lipton. And so I'm going to read a couple of paragraphs from The Biology of Belief, which start on page 166. So on this page, Bruce Lipton wrote, the higher the evolution of higher mammals, including chimps, cetaceans and humans, brought forth a new level of awareness called self-consciousness, or simply the conscious mind. The new conscious mind is an evolutionary advance. The earlier subconscious mind is our autopilot. The conscious mind is our manual control. For example, if a ball comes near your eye, the slower conscious mind may not have time to be aware of the threat. Yet the subconscious mind, which processes 20,000 environmental stimuli per second versus the 40 environmental stimuli interpreted by the conscious mind in the same second, will cause the eye to blink. So you can see how lower vertebrates rely on the subconscious mind to 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 react to threats. Now, the two minds are truly a phenomenal mechanism, but here is where it can go awry. The conscious mind is the self, the voice of our own thoughts. It can have great visions for the future filled with love, health, happiness, and prosperity. While we focus our consciousness on happy thoughts, who is actually running the show? The subconscious. So how is the subconscious going to manage our affairs? precisely the way it was programmed. The subconscious mind's behaviors, when we are not paying attention, may not be of our own creation because most of the fundamental behaviors were downloaded without question from observing other people as a child. So, super important what's going on in your subconscious. So the next obvious question is, what to do to reprogram the subconscious if you realize from answering the first question and other life experiences that you were not taught to have a healthy relationship with money. And really when it comes down to it, just talking about it isn't going to change anything because that's just dealing with your conscious mind. So the techniques that I mentioned at the top of the show have really helped me, namely Psych K and EFT, or emotional freedom technique, otherwise known as tapping. So amazingly, in the addendum to the biology biology of belief, Bruce Lipton also highly recommends Psych K. And you can learn more about this modality and find a practitioner at www.psych-k.com, psychk.com. EFT or tapping is another modality that's gaining in popularity. And the thing that these techniques have in common is that they work at a level beyond the conscious mind to get at all of the things we statched in our autopilot or subconscious mind without even realizing it. Okay, so now we've set the table. We reviewed the five questions that Noam asked our entrepreneurs and explained why they were asked. Now, recall we have five entrepreneurs in our group coaching program. Jill Rios, who's the owner of Pathways Holistic Center in Fort Collins, Colorado. Jonay DeBruhl, an organic farmer and co-owner of Stone Coop Organic Farm in Michigan. Lisa Pondichter, physical therapist and Feldenkrais movement specialist in Michigan. Peru Agrawal, author, blogger, wealth, and wellness coach in Arizona, and Sarah Mask, esthetician and wellness coach in Colorado. So, if you'd like to hear how our entrepreneurs responded to these questions, go ahead and check out our Abundance Cube for Wellness Entrepreneurs Facebook page, because again, you may be able to relate to those experiences. And what I found in listening to their answers to these questions is that. Th- They grew up in an environment where money was either not discussed or it was argued about by their parents. And there wasn't a lot of healthy coaching done about how to use money. So I know I related to that very well, and you probably will be able to too. So now, no question for you. When the people in the audience have replied to these five questions, One thing they could do, like I mentioned, with regards to their answer to the first question is they could look into modalities to reprogram their subconscious to fix up their relationship with money. But what else could they do?
3: So the first thing that uh, I would recommend is once you've answered all these questions is to take uh, the time to listen to the answers from the five uh, entrepreneurs that we have the reason for that is that these kind of answers are very private, very intimate, and it's something you normally and you often don't discuss with people, you don't discuss publicly. We have the chance to have these five entrepreneurs who have had the courage to speak all of this out in a public forum so that you can learn from it. When you listen to these other entrepreneurs, it's not about listening to how great or how bad or how tough their life was. The idea is that as you listen to their answer, you compare it with yours. So as you listen to their answers, one of the things that you can do as an exercise is how are their answers similar to you and how are their answers different from you. When you listen to the five of them, what you notice is that each one, is very unique, and I think that uh, Sandra, you um, mentioned during our call that you could relate to some of them, um, and I could relate to some other of uh, the entrepreneurs. Yes, yes. That is the very first thing: is noticing yep. how we are all different. How wh- wh- what um, what did it do for you when when you could really connect with some people, but you noticed that some other people it was like, "Oh wow, that's very very different from my my upbringing."
2: So what it told me was that uh, my experience is probably very common, that it's quite shared. And it, it seemed like from listening to our five entrepreneurs, it seems like there are several scenarios that people could be in. They could be in an environment where They were raised with a healthy relationship with money where it was discussed, like, for example, Robert Kiyosaki, right, with his Mm -hmm. two dads. He had one dad who trained him from a very young age about how to relate to money in a healthy way and use it to his advantage. The other category that seemed to fall out was let's not talk about it at all. (laughs) Mm -hmm. It seemed like several of our entrepreneurs had that kind of situation where it just was something that was used but was never talked about. Uh, if there was enough or not enough, it just wasn't discussed. And then it seemed like another scenario was, oh, it was discussed. It was fought about. <laughs> <laughs> there were arguments. So it was an emotional hot button. So it's it seems it just in in reading the book and listening to their responses, it seemed like you could fall into one of those camps. And so the camp that I fell into, it was very much like Lisa's, where it was argued about. Uh, my parents tended to argue about it a lot. So, mm. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So it was it was neat, just just really hearing everybody else's experience, because like you said, this is something which is normally not talked about. Maybe with your closest friends or your spouse, and even that.
3: Yeah, I will tell you that I've got so many people, so many clients that when I Done these exercises with them, they told me that actually they've never spoken about this with anybody, Mm, and they've never had this conversation because, in some ways, uh, they feel that money is even more intimate than sex.
2: Uh,
3: Because because in a way, money is something we sort of do every day or we use every day, but we never really talk about it. It's never something that we talk from a personal perspective. So, here's a few little more exercises that. one can do after listening to the other entrepreneurs, relating to them, the similarities and differences, is here's a few sets of exercises to sort of stretch your your relation to money in the same way as a muscle. One of the simple things is to meditate every money, every sorry, <laughs> meditate every day about money. <laughs> so every day, pick up whatever amount of cash you have And repeat that exercise and notice how one day you may feel very happy and confident holding that money Well, the next day you may be holding that money and feeling like, oh gosh, I wish I had more. And so as you take notes of how you feel about holding money in your hand every day, you will notice the difference and the change and will give you more freedom as to how you relate to it. Another exercise to stretch your comfort with money and the value of what you offer is to tell new clients that your services or your product are double the price than you normally sell them. And I'm not here saying that you do this necessarily to sell it at that price, but much more to do the exercise of speaking out that big number and saying 10 times, 20 times, my service costs this much. And noticing every time that you say it, how much more comfortable you're getting with this new number. To meditate on the, the worth of your money and the worth of your service, as you're delivering the service, so as you're, if you're a physical therapist, as you're doing physical therapy with your clients, or if you sell a product, as you're giving uh, the product to the client and you know that they're going back home. It's asking yourself the question, do you feel that what you've given them or what you're doing with them is worth the money that they're paying for? And then the last one uh, that I'm going to, oh, I don't know how, much, how we're doing with time. Um, what uh, The next one you can do is to pay for the services that you offer. And that may seem very strange for a lot That's of a people. That's a different one. That's a different the, one. Yeah, that seems very strange for a lot of people. Because like, wait, what are you talking about? Wait, why are we doing this now? <laughs> pay for the service that you offer, um, and try it with at least three different people. Mm. The reason is is that as you pay for the service and choose someone who charges less than you, choose someone who charges about the same amount of you, and choose someone who charges more than you. And notice whether you're happy or not paying these larger amounts. Whether you're happy. Paying the smaller amount and how it feels to pay for the services you offer.
2: I like that one. That's very that's interesting. That's very powerful. <laughs> yeah, that one's very interesting. It's very,
3: very powerful, and it will make you so much better at doing what you do. Yeah. Uh, that's why when people ask me, you know, whether I have a coach, they're often surprised that the answer is no. I don't have a coach, but over the last uh, twelve months, I've worked with thirteen different coaches. And I keep doing that because every time I work with a different coach and I work with someone else who does the same thing that I do, who does similar thing to what I do, which is a service I really believe in, it gets me to remember why I do what I do and what it's like to be on the other side and what it's yeah. like to pay for what I do. Cool. And then I can also get to um, compare myself to these other people and say, oh, wow, you know, this person charges a lot more than me. But hell yeah, sir. The, the way he coaches, damn, it's really worth it.
2: Yeah. Okay. All right. That's a really good one. Really good suggestions there. Thank you for those. And let's get ready to go to our next break. But before we go, I'd like to thank our sponsor for today's show. Are you familiar with the gut and psychology syndrome nutritional protocol? Get the book that Dr. Natasha Campbell McBride says everyone needs. Monica Corrado's ebook, Meat Stock and Bone Broth, Cooking Techniques for the Gut and Psychology Syndrome Diet. The book is available at seleneriverpress.com. And let's get ready for that break. Thanks again, everyone, for joining us today. This is your host for Generation Regeneration, Sandra Malhotra, and I'm here with business coach, creator of masterpieces, and my collaborator for the Abundance Cubed Adventure and Expansion, Noam Kastuki. And we're reviewing last month's group coaching session on the topic of improving your relationship with money. Stay tuned, and we'll see you on the flip side with more great stuff.
0: What's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at VoiceAmericaTRN.
1: Introducing the Abundance Cubed coaching program on Gen R Holistic Radio. Wellness entrepreneurs who integrate the best of modern and holistic approaches will fix our broken food and healthcare systems. So host Sandra Maholtra and creator of Masterpieces, Noam Kastuki, are going to empower them to do just that. We will help five entrepreneurs grow and unlearn limiting beliefs during this program. You, too, can learn alongside them by turning into Gen R Holistic Radio the first Tuesday of each month. Join us for an adventure in expansion.
0: Tune in every Tuesday for C. diff, spores, and more with hosts Nancy Kerala and Dr. Chandra Bali Ghosh. Our program is to provide information about C-diff, healthcare-associated infections, and more. Nancy is a C-diff survivor, healthcare professional, and the founder and executive director of the C-diff Foundation. And Dr. Ghosh is the chairperson of research and development for the C-diff Foundation. Together, with their guests, we'll explore infection prevention, treatments, environmental safety, and more. Listen every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific, on Voice America
1: Health & Wellness. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. This is Generation Regeneration with Sandra Guy Malhotra. To connect with Sandra, send an email to malhotra at wcubedcommunity.com. Or tweet at Sandra G. Malhotra, hashtag WeAreGenR. She looks forward to your comments. Now back to Generation Regeneration.
2: Welcome back, everyone. Thanks again for joining us. I'm your host, Sandra Malhotra, and I'm here with business coach, creator of Masterpieces, and my collaborator for the Abundance Cubed Adventure and Expansion, Noam Kastuki. Now, Noam, you just reviewed what our listeners should do with the insights they gained... From the answers to the five questions about their relationship to money. And with our entrepreneurs, you did something else too. You did an exercise with them involving metaphors. And can you explain the power of metaphors and why you used it during the coaching session with them?
3: Absolutely. I love metaphors and I love working with metaphors because I see them as a direct connection between the conscious and the subconscious. They're like a bridge we can cross to navigate between one side and the other. They also act as a translation from abstract feelings to concrete and actionable thoughts. To demonstrate what uh, I did with the, the entrepreneurs um, during the coaching, the best is to tell the story of nazia because it's the one that's the most easy to visualize, and the change it created was almost instantaneous. It was pretty much instantaneous. So she's, um, she's a woman who wanted to be a personal trainer and to get out of just having a couple of clients at the gym and to grow the business. She told me that she worked with many different business coaches and consultants, and nothing made sense. Every time that she sat with someone to tell her uh, and teach her how to run her business effectively, she felt disconnected. So she's a personal trainer. She helps people get in great physical condition. And what I did with her is that I asked her to imagine her business as a client. So if her business was a client and a human being, what would she do? And I asked her to tell me about the approach, what was important. Um, how they help her. And that was very easy for her because that's something she does all the time. That's something she's great at. That's something she loves. So she gave me a list of things. She looks at food intake. She creates a meal plan. She tests the different muscle groups. She creates tailored exercises to tackle the muscles that are weaker and then also to push the muscles that are stronger. She schedules sessions with the clients every week so that there is a commitment. Uh, she gives them exercises to do specifically at home alone as well as exercises that they're going to do together um, when they practice. She monitors their progress and inspires them. And so what we did in terms of the metaphor is saying, well, you know, if this is a model that works at a subconscious level that you're really good at, let's see how we relate this back to the business. And so we translated everything from a model that she knows really well, which is the human body, to a model that is very confusing for her, which is how to run a business. And so what happened is that food became money. Different muscle groups became different areas of the business. Exercises at home to develop uh, strength became calling and looking for clients. Sessions with a personal trainer became coaching sessions with me monitoring the progress of you know, how more, how much more flexible the client is became having an Excel sheet with business goals. Inspiration to be healthy became learning about other entrepreneurs. And by the end of the session, she looked at me and said, wow, now I know exactly what to do. This is the first time I understand how to run my business. And that's because we changed the subconscious relation she had with the business with, thums, with something that she understands well and she's conscious about. So we did the same thing with Jonay, um, looking at you know if the business was run, was actually uh, a farm, how would she approach it? If uh, with Lisa, we did something very similar to Nazia. And that's what we're always looking at. What is a model that you know and can work with uh, seamlessly, and how can you apply this to something that is very di- that seems very different and very uh, complicated?
2: Mm, okay. All right, so basically taking something which may be kind of intimidating and unfamiliar and putting it in much more familiar or comfortable terms so that you can work with it. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. So now that we've covered, yeah, now that we've covered many things about the coaching program with our entrepreneurs. What might be kind of fun for the rest of the show uh, is to pull the curtain back a little bit with regards to me and you. What do you think about that?
3: Absolutely.
2: (laughs) Talk (laughs) about us instead of talking about everybody else all the time. (laughs) So what I'm curious about, Noam, is how you would have answered those five questions. And I'm particularly interested in how you would have answered the first one about how money was treated as you were growing up by your parents. So how was that for you?
3: So we had, you know, mixed and interesting uh, things at home. One was that uh, we were always told that – Money is something that happens when you work. So I remember my dad, uh, I remember I wanted uh, to buy um, a PlayStation. Uh, It was a Super Nintendo back in the days. Well, my father created a challenge for me and said, well, if you complete these tasks and you do all these things, then we'll buy this. In the same way, um, when I told him that I wanted a few years later, another console actually, Uh, He told me, look, you know, uh, if you really want that, what I can do is I can help you get a job. And once you get that job, you will earn much more money and you'll be able to buy that console you want and you'll be able to buy other stuff also. And so at home, there was very much this sort of idea that money is something you create by doing things and by figuring out and by being creative. Um, That's pretty pretty good. And then there is another uh, flip side, which is that at the same time, it wasn't much talked about. Mm. So at the same time, it wasn't also, we were also not really told about, you know, how much money the parents made, you know, whether we're comfortable or not. Um, We're just had this feeling that money was there when we needed it. And it wasn't something to really discuss in more depth. So that, that's, that's what it was for me. How was it for you?
2: Ah, interesting. Okay. So for me, like I said, there were a fair amount of arguments between my parents about money. Um, I would say we grew up. I grew up in a pretty typical middle-class household, but there wasn't a lot of extra. Uh, everything that was needed was available, but there weren't extravagant vacations or luxury cars or anything like that. And so my parents tended to fight quite a bit about it. And the way that affected me actually was it it didn't turn me off towards money at all, actually. Um, What it gave me was, I think, a fierce work ethic because (laughs) I didn't want to be in that situation ever. I (laughs) just felt from a deep place that if I worked hard and if I worked smart, I could create something. For myself. And for whatever reason, my parents chose not to focus on that uh, to really change the financial situation. Whereas I left home, I left at 17 uh, to go to college and never really moved back. Uh, My goal at that point was to create something, to create prosperity for myself. So so growing up in that environment, it, it really did influence me, absolutely, in <laughs> terms of my desire to work hard and create abundance always, and and probably being a little bit too self-sufficient. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, in this, it's compensating, and that, that's
3: what often yeah. happens, right, is that what we tend to do is either repeat our parents' behavior – And we do the same as them. So if the parents uh, are scared about money, we're scared about money. If the parents uh, are very comfortable about money, we're very comfortable about money. Or we do the exact opposite. Um, And as you were talking about uh, your experience at home, actually, it sort of made me think that I described the experience at home with my parents. Um, What's an interesting flip side is that I always had the story of my grandparents, because my grandparents left Poland you know, during the war as Polish Jews. They arrived in Belgium with no money, no degrees, no, no school, nothing. And so my parents grew up in, 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 pre, in very poor houses in, uh, where they didn't have money for stuff. And uh, typical sort of immigrant families. And then my parents sort of made the money to bring them into sort of middle class Mm. Uh, so I know that he, he, you're right in terms of the work ethics. That I think that the work ethic definitely came from seeing um, the change between where my grandparents were when my parents uh, got.
2: Ah, interesting. How okay. was you your
3: grandparents? If you have, if we have a few seconds, um, do you have any idea how was it for for your
2: parents? Ah, uh, that's a good question. And actually, I'm going to save it for the next segment because we do actually have (laughs) to go to a break. So thanks, everyone, for joining us today. This is your host for Generation Regeneration, Sandra Malhotra. And I'm here with business coach, creator of Masterpieces, and my collaborator for the Abundance Cubed Adventure and Expansion, Noam Kastuki, And we're reviewing last month's group coaching session, which was on the topic of improving your relationship with money. And right now we're talking about our relationship with money. Interesting stuff. So we'll continue that in the next segment. See you soon.
1: Making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live, wherever you go, on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Relationship issues? Anxious? Parenting challenges? No more. Learn how to live your best life. Tune into Straight Talk with top psychotherapist, relationship, and anxiety expert, Sandra Reich.
0: Do you feel that you aren't at your best when it comes to your personal health? Even if your doctor gives you a clean bill of health and says everything is in working order, perhaps you aren't feeling at the top of your game. Dr. Rebecca Risk overcame pain and fatigue despite all tests to the contrary. Learn how she put her health back on track and how you can too on Falling Through the Cracks. Live every Monday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, 12 noon Eastern Time on Voice America Health & Wellness. out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at VoiceAmericaTRN.
1: This is Generation Regeneration with Sandra Guy Malhotra. To connect with Sandra, send an email to Sandra Malhotra at wcubedcommunity.com or tweet at Sandra G. Malhotra hashtag R. She looks forward to your comments. Now back to Generation Regeneration.
2: And welcome back, everyone. Thanks again for joining us today. Hope you've enjoyed the show as much as we have. I'm your host, Sandra Malhotra, and I'm here with business coach, creator of Masterpieces, and my collaborator for the Abundance Cubed Adventure and Expansion, Noam Kastuki. And in the previous segment, Noam and I started engaging in fearless honesty about our answers to the five questions that he posed to our five entrepreneurs during the coaching session on improving your relationship with money. And we only really got to the first one, which was how money was treated in our homes as we were growing up. And no asked me a question about my grandparents. And I would say for my parents, they probably fell into the um, it wasn't really talked about camp. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that each of my parents grew up in a standard middle-class household uh, with, with parents who got along pretty well. Uh, I don't think they fought a lot about money. And so I think for them, it was just just kind of there. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Though I think just personality-wise, uh, they just may not have been as ambitious Um, in terms of really wanting to change their situation from that of their parents. I think that they were okay living in the same manner as their parents Mm -hmm. did.
3: Whereas I think,
2: yeah, go ahead.
3: Yeah, yeah, I'm thinking this is interesting you say, it's like the motivation and that very often, um, I definitely noticed that often motivation like uh, for my grandparents or like for yourself is that it's when people hit a Bad spots that uh, there is sometimes a motivation to really make a big change.
2: Yes, that's right. Yeah.
3: Um, which is exactly what happened with my grandparents and my parents. So I hear mm-hmm. that, definitely hear similarities, which is that if you're in a, a relative amount of comfort, there is no reason to radically change your views on money or your relation with money unless you really need to. And that's what I find is that most of my clients, when I work with people, who are in their 50s and have been sometimes running successful businesses for a long time, they never had to think about this until suddenly they hit a roadblock and like, damn, what is happening? <laughs>
2: yeah. Okay. Interesting stuff. Now, how do you feel when you deliver a service or product to your client? What are you thinking at that point? At that, about, of the transaction. So yeah. so when I think about money,
3: when, I del- when I'm when i delivering and I'm working with a client, if I get to think about the money, it focuses my attention on the value I'm creating. Mm. So what it does for me is that it reminds me about this person has paying me this much is the value I'm offering bigger than what they've paid. And so for me nowadays... My focus on money when I'm delivering things is on the creation and on the added. It's not on, oh, damn, am I doing enough to just get there? Is am I doing enough that the value I'm giving is 10 times bigger so that the person says, thank you so much for having given me the chance to work with you? Uh, so yeah. that's, that's for me where it has shifted. It's become a real motivation. Yes. Uh, how, how is it like for you?
2: Yeah, I would say pretty much like for you. I feel like I, I put my heart and soul into what I do. I try to deliver an outstanding product. And so when I deliver it, I'm actually feeling pretty good uh, that I'm delivering something which is valuable and useful. And so I'm, 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 I'm all right at that point. So let's move on to the next stage of the transaction. After you deliver it, and you're asking for payment. How do you feel?
3: <laughs> so there's a quick quick, quick trick to that question, which is what you said after you deliver it. Yeah. This is one of the big shifts uh, that I made in my work is that I started getting clients to pay for the service before we start.
2: Oh, interesting, okay.
3: Um, and one of the reasons was that uh, I hate running uh, after people after money. And also, especially with the work I do, I want to be very comfortable being able to challenge my clients, bring them into uncomfortable places, and um, do things that they may not like. And so that's why yes. I always ask for the money up front so that <laughs> they cannot walk away. Um, because before, what happened to me is that I was always constantly selling. So, as I was, the, it is a relation to the previous question. When I was getting people to pay uh, per session type things, so at the end of uh, a session, I, I always felt like I had to sell the next session. So when I was delivering the service, I was thinking about how do I get them to also think that they need more. Uh-huh. While well now, I get them, I get that conversation out of the way right from the beginning, and so. The way I feel when I ask for the money up front is this is what we're going to create together. So for me, it's exciting because it's thinking about the future. Oh, and when okay. the client comes back to me and says, whoa, that's too much, I can't afford this, then it allows us to go back to the conversation of, okay, well, what is it you want to create? How much money, more money do you want to create for your company? And then we go back to the drawing board, which is if the amount that I'm asking for feels like too much then maybe the project you're working on is not creating enough and so we need to think about that again Mm -hmm. um so i use that like that as a signpost what about you how do you feel when getting clients uh when the clients pay uh for the service uh so when you ask for the money
2: yeah i feel good (laughs) i I feel very happy (laughs) i like getting paid um yeah, I, I, I'm very comfortable with it because I'm I'm confident in what I'm delivering. So I feel like what I'm delivering should be beneficial for both parties, uh, especially for them. And I'm, I'm mostly referring to the magazine that I'm working on right now as the owner and publisher in terms of advertising content and other things that we do. I feel like it's a, a great product and that we're doing a great thing. The whole team is, everybody involved in it. And so I'm I feel like it's, it's a good exchange. Uh, as you said, money is energy. And what you're doing when you're delivering something and getting paid for it is that's essentially an exchange of energy. And I, I feel quite comfortable with it. So um, let us in just the last, we have, I think, one more minute. So in like 30 seconds now, how do you feel when you're getting paid, when you're actually up front You're getting paid. How do you feel when you're getting paid? Now I feel
3: really excited. Yeah. Um, I used to feel uh, guilty because I always used to think, I can't believe they're giving me money to do this. (laughs) Um, Now I feel excited because I feel like, wow, they trust me. Now I've actually got to do this. How is it for you? How do you feel when you get the money in the account?
2: Oh, I feel great because again, I think it's the excitement. I think I'm happy that the business is going somewhere and growing because then we can just continue doing what we're doing. So it's, I think there's a happiness and an excitement there as well, just to see that uh, it's healthy. That's a really good feeling. So on that wonderful note, let's go ahead and get wrapped up because that's all the time we have for today. So I'd like to thank you very much, Noam for all of the great conversation and great information and wisdom that you gave us today. Welcome. (laughs) Thank you, everyone, for joining us. And don't forget to follow our Abundance Cube for Wellness Entrepreneurs Facebook page to stay in the know about our entrepreneurs and the program. And our May Abundance Cube show is actually going to be about pricing your services and products. And we put that after this because we wanted to talk about fixing your relationship with money first, and then setting good prices. So that should be a great show too. And in the meantime, we'll see you next week, same time, same place. Our guest will be coach James Tripp, author, speaker, mentor, and coach, and the creator of Hypnosis Without a Trance. That should be a great conversation too. Really looking forward to it. So thanks again for stopping by today, everyone. Namaste. (laughs)
1: Thank you for tuning in to Generation Regeneration with Sandra Guy Malhotra. Please join us again next Tuesday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time and 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. In the coming week, think of the changes that you could make to regenerate your body, mind, and spirit.